video check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And I'm stuck. He's making cut with his Honestly. I'm gusset. I'm absolutely gusset. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1. Join us every week right here on our podcast. Alex Curie here, my co-host as always. Dan Jimenez in studio, uh, engineering expert and just uh, former race life, but also now just a regular old F1 fan who might know a little bit too much about how cars work. That's yeah, right. is that how we kind of, uh, uh, kind of put your... My wife would describe me that way, yeah. <laughs> Too much, too much. Uh, I, you know what? I've just introduced way too many people to F one, and it's actually great because what it what it ends up being is I don't sound like a weirdo, a total weirdo. Right? Yeah. I still have like <laughs> you're not scaring people. I still have who I call my mainstream friends. Yeah. They don't understand yet. No, no. Maybe they'll come around. Probably not. Like there, it's just you're asking somebody to carve out time in the sports world. Where they're already investing. It's like asking someone right now, like, have you seen the world of cricket? Let me introduce <laughs> you to test cricket. It's a lot easier to consume. It's only nine hours long. It's not four days oh, long. <laughs> Jeez, I actually did. I had some. I had a guy come up to me at a baseball game, and he was like, I know, I know you do that F1 podcast. Have you gotten into cricket? I'm like, I no. <laughs> I have no space for anything. Not, in my life. That's not happening. We have too many kids. And just like too many kids, I have too many sports that I follow. I don't have enough. It's a physics problem. I don't have enough love. For everybody, okay, to go around. I barely fit F1 in. And you know what it ends up doing? It pushes out other loves in my life. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's what ends up happening. I'm like, mm. I still find time for the NFL and for college football and for NBA, uh, as always, because I have to for my job. It's just uh, part of the deal. And F1's so. a good filler for the summer months, you know? Yes. It's just, it's kind of dry in the sports world elsewhere unless you're really into baseball. But, 100%. like, F1 can get you through the summer. So quite a week. We were able to sort of stomach – all the last goings on over the last few, it was really just an amazing race at Silverstone this uh, this past go. The British the British Grand Prix was just was so much fun, and almost a half million people showing up. It just feels like yeah. racing in Europe is back, and it's also gotten like a renewed interest, of course. Um, you know, because of the Netflix series across the world. That's it's not just America that's had this re- resurgence in the sport. I I don't know if there's ever been a more popular time for F one. You tell me though. Is it that early nineties? Mid nineties, maybe, or or even maybe prior to that, before I showed up and totally jumped on the bandwagon, has F one ever been this big? And maybe not numbers wise, but at least like having a place at that sports table across the world like it does now. Oh no. We're in the glory days of F one right now. It's the the distribution power that they have just through all the you know, the Liberty Media taking over and realizing this is a media asset. Yes, it's a sport, but this is a media asset and we have to leverage it like a media asset. And they've done that now through so many different um, avenues, you know, not least of which is the whole Netflix special that it's uh, no, we're this is the the most expansive, popular, um, the most respected the sport has ever been. And we can always look back in the glory years of like, oh, there's the Schumacher era, the Senate era. But that was still diehards that were finding, um, you know, whatever ways they could to be able to tune into those races live. Uh, But, you know, it's. As popular as it's ever been, but at the same time having it probably one of its most trying seasons in terms of competitiveness, 
where you've got all these new fans who kind of came out of the Netflix era and then the Max beating, you know, uh, kind of toppling uh, Lewis as the new you know champion in the sport. But now it's like he's almost winning by too much. So that's a little bit of the challenge that they're facing right now. Future-wise, and I was looking at this today and I was like, I got to bring this up with Dan. Um, I saw that, first of all, I saw this mocked up picture I'm showing you right now on this uh, Automoto und Sport <laughs> out of Germany. That's where all the best news I know, comes from. <laughs> when you have to, listen, I will just tell you what happens when you get an F1. Everybody who's listening out there, you hit the translate to English button a lot yes. <laughs> in your life. You go over to the, a lot of stuff in German, uh, a lot of stuff in, in Dutch, Dutch, you know, that, yeah. you're, that, you're, that you're clicking over, like, please translate this in English. But a story that was off of this Autosport und, or Automoto und Sport uh, write-up <laughs> is about the FIA and about expansion because we're basically talking about the idea of an ex, you know picking up expansion franchises in the sport that you love. It's hard to say, yeah, just give us some more teams over here. But the FIA has just approved the Andretti Autosport application. Okay. Which so is they great news. Approve the application, which means they're going to consider it, or does that mean I that think they're it means, in? I think that what's going to happen is they basically said, according to this article, that there are four teams that have applied for the Formula One, a Formula One, a, a spot in the Formula One field. Two are likely going to get that expansion, right? Mm-hmm. They, I think that uh, the FIA feels really good about adding two more teams. Why yeah. wouldn't you? And I think that's a, in the rules that like the other F, teams. the teams have uh, yeah approved up to twelve teams, up to twelve teams, and. Andretti Autosport has already been approved then at application wise because you'll still have to go through a vote. And for some reason, and I'm showing you the mock up I'm showing Dan here is you're not able to see it, is the back of a of a current F one car that somebody has mocked up with the Cadillac on the back of it. Mm-hmm. Looks good. I love it. Are you kidding? <laughs> like and now Ford is also, you know, trying to Get its pinchers on uh, on some things here in mm-hmm. in the sport, and it is. It's going to be an auto. It's going to be the a motor a motor manufacturer partnering up with uh, with with Red Bull. I don't know what exactly what that partnership is going to look like, but you're seeing a lot of American handprints going on in this sport. Other than just listen, the whole th- the the media rights are owned by an American company. Okay? Right. Yeah. All of the growth that has happened has happened in the hands of those guys. There's a lot of power sitting in America with. The ability to be able to make these things happen. I don't know why the pushback is happening so much against the Andretti Autosport. Andretti and Cadillac combining forces. That just sounds like you're talking about a name that has an F1 championship tied to it. Mm -hmm. And a motor brand, a vehicle brand uh, that that is synonymous with like, you know, high end everything, which is what Mm -hmm. F1 is. I I don't know. Are are we, are we, uh, Watching the rest of the world suddenly push back on the American uh, side of things because America's quote unquote taking over the sport. I've had to hear that in quite a few of the podcasts that I follow. It's really weird. It does kind of smell of a bit of uh, European uppityness mm. that, like, you know, you, they can't stomach that the fact what you just described that the Americans have almost saved the sport in a way with with Liberty Media. And so, yeah, the the protests are. Odd, like I, I read this week, I think Toto was saying that the new teams should have to qualify, uh, like based on time in order to race. It's it's a bit ridiculous. What all it comes down to in the end is money. These existing teams in F one want they want more than the uh, 
the prescribed $200 million, I think it is right now in the regulations, the buy-in, they want a 500 or a $600 million buy-in because that's what the market they think demands for it right now. And that'd be probably well within that to ask that. When you consider how much Alpine uh, was valued at recently right. because of the additions of more investors and things, so you're talking about each team, uh, you know, they're give or take, but we're talking about each team having that billion-dollar you know, mm-hmm. note next to its name. I mean, I think Alpine was valued Alpine was at like, like seven ninety five or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think a, in U.S. dollars it was almost close to a, a billion. A billion. So like you're talking about, so Mercedes. You could just say, hey, that's going to be uh, one and a half to one maybe even half, two, two times that. Same thing probably with Red Bull, um, Ferrari. Certainly, Ferrari would would be like the Cowboys, where they just never win, but they're like the bigger brand, <laughs> right? The most, yeah, yeah. The yeah most so they're most one. recognized, the most valuable, and most iconic, and so they might be. It, above that $2 billion mark, but in an era when we're seeing teams uh, across sports worth, you know, uh, five times that, you know, mm-hmm. when we're talking about uh, football clubs in Europe and we're talking about American football in the United States, it doesn't seem like that, like it's that crazy. Now, they were saying that you're going to probably see that trickle down. Liberty Media is allowed to reject kind of uh, or mm-hmm. object to the application. Or they have final say. Would they yeah. really do it? Though? There's no freaking way they would. Yeah, uh, no, no, they want this team. one. Yeah, so there's four total that are applying, and I believe the uh, one of the other ones is a Saudi kind of live golf type of situation. And obviously, there's, I mean, a lot of races that happen in the Middle East. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a Saudi um, CEO of the FIA, and it's. I, I think if they're following the money, they're gonna accept a, U, uh, a U.S. team and a Saudi team. If yeah, if they're trying to keep uh, the hands that feed happy. Uh, Fred Vasseur, uh, team principal for Ferrari, said, the nationality of these teams who are applying shouldn't matter. Uh, it can't just be a ticket just because somebody comes from the USA. We already have an American team with Haas. Come eh, on. Come yeah, on. No, sorry. Uh, the popularity of F1 is, is measured in more than just way, one way of nationalities. So there is that European pushback. Um, and, and I think that... Uh, it, it just it, Total Wolf even kind of objected and said, "Look, American sports franchises are a closed circle." Well, that's rich coming from people who are trying to close the circle <laughs> even hard, even more hardcore. I don't know what he's saying by that. Is he saying that like uh, an American team gets involved and then suddenly it's uh, you know the Steinbrenner family is operating the right, <laughs> you know, yeah. F one team or Jerry, uh, you know uh, Jerry Jones is operating the team. What we're talking about is is a, the expansion of your sport at a rate that we've already never seen in in these guys' lifetime. The reason that they're that, that people know who they are in mm-hmm. the United States is because of this American media conglomerate who said, "Hey, let's make this thing happen. Let's put it on Netflix. Let's do this whole thing." It's a brilliant move. Don't stop there, uh, but also don't just throw a don't just throw a team at somebody because they go they're an American team, you know. Get Andretti on it. Get get yeah. Cadillac on it. It makes total sense in that way. Yeah. It's a question, too, if if you're Liberty Media, where is the future expansion going to – where's growth going to come from? It's not going to come from Europe. It's saturated. That market is saturated. It's been – F1 has been there um, for the you know a very long time, and it's relatively new in the U.S., and it's a large market. So if you think about expansion of an international brand, it's like the U.S. market, the Chinese market, and – you know, everything else just kind of doesn't matter, right? And so it it makes most sense that, like, if I'm Toto Wolf, if I'm Christian Horner, you have to think that if we want to raise the collective value of Formula One and our own brand, uh, our own team's value, 
you just have to grow the sport in those markets where there's headroom. And, you know, it's really the U.S. So that's been kind of some of this week's situation here. But you're actually, I think, seeing movement toward that. If teams do veto a new team, they can actually technically race because of the FIA kind of giving mm. that approval, but they wouldn't be a part of that F1 Concord agreement. So they could be mm. racing without the possibility of, of, winning, of winning any of the entry prize. And then at the end of the Constructors' Championship, they wouldn't be recognized as Formula One uh, constructors, you know, from that standpoint. Fascinating. They would, they would be allowed to race in those races. They'd have to live by the same. Uh, this is according to what I was reading in this. Uh, yeah. Autosport und. Vehiculum, you know, whatever it was. Maybe a very American thing just to give them the middle finger and be like, we're racing anyways and we're going to win. You're right. And, and we'll just, uh, I don't we need don't need it. your money. I don't need a couple hundred million dollars. I mean, I will later, but I mean, like, <laughs> just to force themselves into the sport and actually uh, make it happen. So I think they just see Cadillac and they see dollar signs and they see that balance sheet and they're like, make them pay 500 million instead of 200 million and we'll all, we'll all agree. Yeah. And maybe if that, if that entry is 600 million, seven, 750, guess what? You're going to find some people who are going to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna definitely, especially when Toto's like the majority owner of of Mercedes AMG <laughs> F1. I mean, it just goes straight to him, right? He's already the first billionaire in F1. So is that like a little fake thing? Like, oh, we don't need more American ownership. I mean, I guess if I'll have to look at it, and then he goes back and he's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be huge. Yeah. Uh, okay. From an actual race standpoint, this week we had the uh, we had the the British Grand Prix. We see the exit of Nick DeVry. The most exciting thing in this sport, aside from the rumors of, uh, of course, adding more teams, the right in front of us rumors, of course, and now been confirmed that Daniel Ricciardo is going to be. And I've seen all of the, the uh, mock-ups of him in his Alpha Tauri outfits and everything, and I thought, you know what? Great. Good for him. Danny Rick is back on the grid. And what are some reasonable expectations for this week in Hungary? This is a race that he's won before. But we're mm-hmm. not talking about in a, in a piece of machinery like this. And this week, Christian Horner was very, very quick to point out that is not a Red Bull car he is in. That en- that engine in the back is the same engine we have. That is not a Red Bull car that he's driving. No, so no. what are the expectations this weekend for Danny Rick? Just like we're excited that he's there, and that's how we are supposed to look at it this weekend? Yeah, I think it's it's the benchmark to Yuki. And I the more that I read about this and I think about it, that's what – all of this was was about, and it was just trying to figure out where is Yuki at, because you could say, I oh, mean, the the car's terrible, but did 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 they have two really bad drivers, you know, in Yuki and Nick? Like it was hard to know. Like Nick was not a good meter, uh, metering stick for Yuki, right? And how he's progressing, and Rebel has to answer the question of what are we going to do about Sergio in twenty twenty five? Are we going to re up him, or are we going to find a better driver to replace him? And the first place you go to is the guy you've been investing all this uh, development uh, into, and that's Yuki. But I don't think they have an answer yet. And I think as soon as they saw that Nick wasn't as fast as Yuki, and Nick's 28 years old, and you're just not going to continue and invest in developing a 28-year-old, you just have to say, okay, we need a new uh, measuring stick to benchmark Yuki against, so put Daniel in there. And Daniel, the story goes that Danny Rick got in the Red Bull car after Silverstone, to run the Pirelli tire test. And after a few shakedown laps, they put him on basically the same configuration as Mac and, Max and Sergio. And his time uh, on like lap seven was fast enough to have been on the front uh, row uh, for qualifying in, in Silverstone. And so they just saw like, hey, he's still got it. You know, he, he you know that he had been doing sim time, and there's all the talk about like, oh, you know, Danny has developed some bad habits at these other teams that we're having to work through, but 
when he got out on track, he was just as fast as Max and, and faster than Sergio in qualifying. Um, and so then it was like, okay, we've got our benchmark now. We have to figure out, is it the car or is it Yuki? Because we need to make a decision about Sergio Perez in the next 12 months. So I, I did read a little bit more this week about how it went down in in, uh, in in for the British Grand Prix as well. Because he actually, Danny Rick was, I mean, you're limited in the amount of time you can put these guys in a seat. And you can, you can do some simulator stuff. You can have them test tires. You can have them run some cars, you know. It, it, but but you don't really know what you're getting. And one thing that uh, that everybody's trying to kind of sandbag expectations for him because you just – I mean, they're like, yeah, he's fit. But who knows at the end of a race how – one thing that he brought up, and I, it's the kind of stuff that we don't even think about necessarily. It was Christian Horner goes – and and uh, and Ricardo actually is like – he hasn't been using those uh, – the uh, the braces for the for the headrest as much and uh, mm. so that's a really good sign of a mm. guy's neck being strong enough that boy that we forget about how much physical strain goes into this thing yeah and it doesn't matter that you're a reserve driver and you need to be ready to race at all times you actually might not be in racing shape like you were but when they saw him they actually said he was a bit of a dog when he first got in the car mm. at the beginning of the year and doing mm. his like sim test things like right. that yeah he was he was really far behind and then suddenly. When it came to them running, they ran him 100 laps at uh, the British Grand Prix on some tire tests, right? Mm-hmm. 100 laps, and they basically start getting all these times back, and they went, if Nick doesn't have an extremely good weekend, he's gone. And it was mm-hmm. based off of those 100 laps, on a lot of other things, but then they said the last kind of final tryout was, one, how would you feel being in an Alpha Tauri? Because it's not a Red Bull car. right? And two, how would you feel... Uh, about doing these hundred laps, and and if you do well, um, you know, would you be willing to kind of, uh, you know? And I think he thought it was going to be after the summer break, and then because Helmut Marco is a uh, wild man, a little bit of a tyrant <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the very least. You talk about a, a a team that's tough to be a member of. Um, the expectation is, I mean, we're talking about Sergio Perez being gone, maybe at the like at the very least of the end of his contract. Maybe they even just buy him out because. They're so disappointed with how things have gone, and he's been the only other guy who's won a race this year on the grid, and he's still Two. second in the yeah. construction. Yes, he's won in the in the uh, in the drivers' championship, and they're going. This guy's a dog. Like he better figure it out, or we're canning him. And it's just so fickle. And you know, Danny Rick has earned his way back in. I think that's the point. He's earned yeah. his way back in. Uh, he's not just a shot in the dark. And I think that it because they have that prior relationship, they're just hoping that that version that. The old Danny comes back. The old Danny Rick comes back, and it, you know he's so good for the sport. I think it also adds to that as well. Yeah, I feel like he's just playing with house money this season. The expectations, I, I'm sure, are low because the perception is that the car is a dog, and so it he can come in, he can you know warm up a bit, and then just show that he's faster than Yuki. And you know, I, I think he's warming up to a 2025. Uh, I mean, there's there's news today that you know he's pitching himself as the replacement driver for Sergio. Like he's making that pitch to Red Bull and this is his first, you <laughs> know, initial tryout. And um it'll be interesting to see if they extend him into 2024 because there's Liam Lawson who's like the other Red Bull development driver who's racing in Super Formula over in Japan right now. And you know, there were a lot of questions around like, well, what about Liam? Why didn't they just promote him? And, you know, in the interviews with him, he's this week, he said he actually didn't want that. Like he's, he's had, he's been having a good season. He just wants to finish out the season. And it's kind of a, it would have been a lot more pressure to throw Liam in there and expect uh, results before the end of the year than, than Danny Rick, uh, you know, in the expectations for him. 
It's kind of hard, too, because the, uh, Red Bull is notoriously, I mean, the helmet Marco, he picks everybody himself. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's the talent picker. And obviously he bounces a lot off of Christian Horner, but, like, helmet Marco goes, get Nick out, and then goes, tell me what those times were on Danny's, uh, Danny's uh, test, you know, over the weekend. And then he's like, boom, gone. I'm calling Nick up myself, and he did. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. guy who does it all himself and picks all the talent himself. And it's been really, I mean, they have Max, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe one of the best racers in the history of the sport by the time it's all said and done. Uh, and so, you know, it, that's a that's an almost, that's an absurd standard to hold everybody else to. Mm-hmm. And it's also weird, too, because you also don't want to bring somebody in who is, you know, uh, cramping Max's style. Last thing you want to do is you don't want to create such a, a, a weird dynamic that you, the team suffers from the whole thing. Uh, because you know, first and foremost, you got to take care of Max and whoever gets in that that second car in twenty twenty five, which just bums me out even talking about that because I think because I like Checo, I like Checo a lot. Yeah, his performance has just been, and they straight up are like, yeah, uh, he's been garbage going into the races. He's had he's he's had unfortunate kind of things that weren't in his control, but a lot of them were self inflicted, mm-hmm. and those things are the things in F one that just get you canned right away. And especially Helmet Marco, he'll go. I'll just figure out a way to get this guy out of here. He's terrible. Second place in the uh, in the in the drivers' championship. Yeah, the interview with Christian that I read today just. <laughs> You know, he kept saying, well, you know, there's, uh, you know, Sergio's our guy for 2024, and then this is helping uh, us, you know, get more data and information for 2025. But it felt like he was kind of protesting too much. Like he was, uh, I think, kind of walking the line of, hey, we have a contract with Sergio. And so I have to say that this isn't about 2024. He's our guy till 2025. Right. But I think that I wouldn't put it past them to, yeah, buy Sergio out if. If uh, he's if Dan, Danny ends up being that fast, then you know I think you have to promote him. But uh, it, it, I think any, if anyone's now on the hot seat, it's Yuki. I think he has to show that he is as fast as Danny Rick. That it is a, it is kind of a uh, that'll wake you up right where you're like. Uh, by the way, everyone's talking about this like you're next, dude. And the good thing is is that I mean Yuki's had a pretty decent year, mm-hmm. but as as things have kind of progressed. You've seen some teams fall back performance-wise, and AlphaTauri has been one of those teams where you're going, uh, dude, you guys were doing really well at the beginning. Yuki was right on that mm-hmm. 10th, 11th place like every week it seemed like, right? And now that's Williams, right? I mean, yeah, that, yeah now they've we're traded about, spots. Yes, and so uh, you're seeing that go backward. The car's a little bit of a dog, but the team goes, see what you can do with it, Danny Rick. And you know what? If he puts himself ahead of Yuki, if he out-qualifies him, if you start to see those one and two-tenths differences on – on mm-hmm. those laps, then uh, then it's 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 coitins for uh, for our favorite uh, diminutive uh, <laughs> cussing driver on the grid. So uh, this weekend, though, you've got a sprint format, right? We got we got a sp- we got sprint races this weekend, which is always fun because you kind of push everything up a day, and you have like some actual more laps of racing that actually means points. So what are we, what are we looking forward to with the uh, at the Hungaro Ring? And the Hungarian GP here. Yeah, we also have a our first tryout of the new format for qualifying where they specify what compound you oh, have to the qualify tires. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Q1, uh, hard, Q2, mediums, and Q3, softs. So, what do you and, think about that? That's kind of an interesting thing because everybody's, I guess, on equal playing yeah, field. Yeah, so I, I think it would be interesting. Like, so the whole reasoning behind it is they're issuing 11 tire sets instead of 13. So there's two fewer tire sets. Why? Uh, <laughs> the they're tra- the whole like net zero gets a oh, okay. zero carbon emission. Right. So 
fewer tires, fewer resources, all that stuff to to run a race weekend. So that being the case, um, you know, they're just defining what race tire you have to run during which. I, I think it'll be interesting um, because obviously they're trying to reserve a certain uh, amount of sets for the race. And uh, so how many are, are teams going to take less runs, you know, during qualifying? Does Red Bull, um, you know, saying, hey, we're going to need some hards and some mediums for the race. So, like, Max, you only get one pass at this and you got to make sure it's good in Q1 or Q2. Wow, that's, interesting. that's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then those teams who are like, we never get out of Q1. Put the softs on. Let's give us our best shot. That's not happening They can't either. do that either. Yeah. yeah. So I like the idea of playing with qualifying. I don't think that the qualifying format's totally been nailed. My dream would be single lap qualifying. Everyone goes one at a time because I think that that just puts so much pressure to perform and be perfect on a each driver. A lot of the uh, Indianapolis 500 kind of a deal. Right, yeah, yeah. And so it's like you go out there, you get one hot lap, everyone's watching you. And Max, if you screw up, you don't get a second chance at it. I think it would introduce a lot more variability mm. into the starting grid if we went to single lap qualifying, but um, we don't have that yet. So I'll, I'll, I'll take do a— Do they do that because of the time constraints that, are, that go along with it? Because you can do that simultaneous uh, timing. Um, I think just from the perspective of safety— how many times have you seen guys on the track and you're like, oh, boy, he had to dive out of the way of that guy? That is oh. insane to me when guys are going 210 miles an hour yeah. and the other guy's going 60 and, you know, he just kind of gets over a little bit. And you're like, "This, we're asking for a disaster to happen. Yeah, Alonzo talked about this recently when, um, you know, that came up in one of the qualifiers. He's like, the answer to this is just let one car out on the track at a huh. time. And he thought it would make for more exciting qualifying, too, which I agree uh, but we don't have that yet. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. This was supposed to happen in, uh, I think it was Baku, but because it rained, they kind of threw that all the, out, uh, because out the, whole the window, tire, yeah, so everyone just ran wets instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's one thing to look forward to. As far as upgrades go, AlphaTauri is supposed to be bringing a bunch of upgrades, not you know just their driver, but uh, a lot of other aero stuff. Um, it's It's going to be... I think a very close race because it is a short lap, um, medium speed track that uh, will um, kind of drive a, a tighter balance between downforce and and drag and all of that. So you won't have I think Red Bull seen as much of an advantage with their like super low drag at high speed stuff. Uh, so yeah, they kind of saw that coming, right? They were like, ah, this this British uh, Grand Prix has been awesome for us. Because we don't see the same thing kind of happening in uh, in Hungary for us either, and right. I mean Lando kind of uh, hinted to that. But the, are there teams that the opposite effect happens that they are really good? Do we know? Are there good teams that are good medium speed? Like right. I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff you would study. We'll man. find out. It, we know who it's not, and it's not Williams, and it's probably now not McLaren and Red Bull. Um, I think uh, Aston Martin Mercedes is who I'm going to have my eye on this weekend to see how they do. In this uh, medium speed track, I was listening to an interview this week, and it was with I think it was maybe Ferrari's technical director, and he's like, "We are the ninth and tenth fastest team on the grid this week, but with the bad luck of the safety car, we're probably more like sixth and seventh fastest." Like, and I was going, "Well, that's not exciting." Hedging with the safety car, <laughs> he goes, "Look, he goes like we got kind of screwed by the safety car. Yeah. We could have been sixth and seventh. And I was like, yeah. "Nobody in the post wants to hear that. Nobody in Italy wants to hear." Dude, we could have been six and seventh this week if we would have played our cards right. Like, they better figure it out. I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't but, know what's going to look like because it, it, in the end, everybody's bringing all these upgrades and everybody talks about upgrades and they talk about them like they are 
so super game changing, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Yeah, and we're getting into the era, the section of the season where Red Bull's um, you know limitations on uh, wind tunnel time and CFD development time is catching up with them, and uh, you know in the back half of the season we should see that. Uh, the other teams are bringing upgrades more often than Red Bull is. Now there is reports out that they're bringing upgrades this week that has you know found them another tenth or two. But you know it, we've gone into each weekend with a prediction, and then it, we seem to be surprised on like, oh, McLaren is resurged or Ferrari's resurged, and so that's going back to where everyone but Red Bull seems to be kind of up and down and really close uh, competitiveness. And you know, hopefully as a group, they start to catch Red Bull more. Does Max have the super sweep again this weekend? Of do they do fastest lap in the in the qual, in the uh, in the sprint race? I no, there's not a point for okay. Yeah, either way, wins the wins the sprint race, wins the big race, and gets the fastest lap. I, I don't know. What I wouldn't bet against points. it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think it's going to be a full points haul for Max. Are we going to see somebody else on the? I mean, we we seem to be getting a couple of different you know kind of podiums here and there. So yeah. we're going to see some new guys up there on the uh, steps. Yeah, Lando has uh, definitely has momentum carrying out of last week, and then Alonso called it at the beginning of the season that he felt this was going to be his most competitive. They race. named Hungry, right? It's yeah, like he he, a- he said Hungry's where we're going to have our best chance. So, uh, yeah, I think an Alonzo podium. It's been a few weeks since he's been on the podium, so I think this could be his weekend to get back up there. Plan 33, right? Yeah. Wasn't that what the whole thing was for this year? They have uh, they have all sorts of uh, – I mean, I mean, they've been non-existent the last few weeks. Like, we right. haven't seen them anywhere near. What about uh, Danny Rick? What's, an ex- what's a real expectation, I think, for him? Is it 17th and down to 20th or – I mean, I could. I just see. I just envision everybody voting him driver of the day just because. Oh, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, between ten and fifteenth is the expectation. Really? I, I, I mean, if he's in the points, chalk it up for another like piece I, of. Yeah, uh, I think t- tenth or higher. If he's in the points, that'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, this is he. he you know, he's driven this thing well past its limits. So I guess eleventh to fifteenth would be my expectation. If he's sixteenth to twentieth. Yeah, other than like a reliability issue, I think there will be questions of like, does he still have it? Does Checo uh, check out of qualifying again, oh or does Checo like the guy puts himself at the back of the grid and then just like, what an amazing drive from coming up? But no, but nobody at Red Bull is impressed because you bought your own. Uh, you take points away from the team when you bought your own qualifying, and that's mm-hmm. you know they're like, we actually don't ne- we don't need you because you're because Max is winning the championship by himself, so you falling back. In qualifying, doesn't help us when you get sixth place, and we're all excited for you because you had a, a heck of a drive back from fifteenth. I, I, Sergio's got to be on some sort of a hot seat, even if he's not, you know, getting canned. Mm-hmm. There still is the feeling of like, oh, Sergio's lost it, and then you—it's all about momentum. It's all about that PR, and like right now, his is yeah, so his, yeah, his draft stock is down, it's going right now. so far back, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, with Danny in that other junior seat, te- uh, junior team seat. He has to feel the pressure that uh, it's getting put on him, and it, it's just kind of this masterstroke from Red Bull of one change. They put Yuki on notice, they put Sergio on notice, and they get to try a flyer at you know a, a guy who's a race winner that they know really well who could take that seat. So it's like they kill, they they killed three birds with one stone, I think, with this move. Oh, and they get to do it for so cheap too. Like oh they're yeah, all, yeah, barely paying Danny Rick, who was making what twenty million at uh, McLaren at McLaren. I'm like 15 or 17 million at uh, at Renault. Uh, so they get him on the cheap. Maybe he gets that resurgence, and people are people are talking about Red Bull 
And Alpha Tauri more this week than we've heard in weeks, even with the guy basically an automatic win every week. So, Dan Jimenez. Dan, thanks for coming up, man, and uh, doing My the pleasure. podcast. We love doing this. Uh, download the podcast. Tell your friends. Teach a neighbor about F1. And uh, let's get this thing going. And we're looking forward to this race weekend in Hungary. We'll talk to you next week on a race review of how everything went. For Dan and Alex, we'll see you next time, everybody. We'll be right back.